0: All too often in sales, we are so focused on the transaction, so focused on closing the sale that we forget about the human side of business and the softer side of dealing with other people in business.
1: So there's a lot of brands that embrace these things and you fall in love with them because of how they are simple and embrace simplicity and how they embrace imperfection and how they embrace empathy. so... Instead of focusing on that transaction, that sale, the
0: operations side of things without those softer skills, your business
1: can have much more of an impact. And these are human traits. Instead of focusing on sales and marketing and operations, they focus on the human side of life. And so that, that kind of stuff is what creates bonds, and we are sometimes forgetting that. That's my guest this week, Brian Kramer.
0: He sparked the human-to-human global movement that sets out to humanize business through simpler communication, empathy, and even celebrating our imperfections. All that after the break. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. If you're looking for the REI branded podcast, you are actually in the right place. We recently renamed it, but the content is the same, helping you to build your brand and business, reach more people, and stand out from the competition. My name is Paul Kopka, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are, because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose to. Brian, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. So I'm a little bit fascinated. I came across what you're doing and kick off. Tell us what is H2H?
1: H2H is a, it's a it became a movement six, six to seven years ago, but it's a thought process around human to human. It also became a book that I wrote that is called, the full title is There's No B2B or B2C, It's H2H Human to Human. And there's a time when we all remember where we were all in person, even door to door salespeople were acceptable at that time and it's how we all made money was actually in person and seeing people more often times have changed this is a whether you want to call it a hybrid working world or a a a zoom human to zoom world human to zoom to human world however you see it however even just six years ago social media was even more prominent in its in infancy stages which I can't believe it's just that new. When you look at it, though, it was ta- it was one of those things where companies had to get more acclimated around people that could say whatever they wanted about a brand online. And that's still something that they don't quite grasp how to answer and what to do. Although they're, get, they're much better at it than they were the day it became more, more prominent. So now it's a little more table stakes. And as we get into things like AI and machine learning and bots and virtual reality and other things that are crypto and blockchain and all these things, all these technologies that are, that are starting to redefine what human to human means. It still comes back to the fact that we are all human and we do want more connection in our lives. So there's a lot of different ways that we can go with that question that you asked, but at the end of the day, what the number one thing that we all want and the one thing that everybody comes together for is human connection. We buy from each other, we crave connections, so that's the that's the one thing I can answer, but we can go in any direction and, we want to go and so is technology
0: getting are you saying technology is getting in the way of relationships no. I mean, there's so many there's so many pluses to technology like we're no. like you're in San Jose, I'm on the other side of the coast in Canada. We get the chance to have this conversation, so there's
1: lots of pluses but- absolutely it gets in the way but it also helps you're right and where it gets in the way is when we use technology to replace a human connection when we use technology and combine it with human connection that's when it works and so if we're going to over automate something or we're going to over overuse technology in place especially like when you're looking at ai or machine learning if we're not using the technology to bring relationships closer together or automate things that will help us give back more time so that we can build re- more relationships then it's a good use of technology but if we're using it to replace that time then now all of a sudden it is going to put us it's going to put most people into a place where they're going to lose empathy they're going to they're going to lose some of the human traits that that then we are, we just saw in the last two years in the pandemic happened where uh, we got distant from each other and we started to become cocoons. And that cocoon left us all feeling, even the introverts started feeling, I'm an ambivert, so I can feel it both introvert and extrovert. Um, and we can all start feeling detracted from each other. And we still crave, like I said before, we still crave connection. So we need technology. We just need it on the light side, not on the dark side.
0: You're right about the last two years. I've just started going to networking events in person again. And the energy level is probably 50% more than it was two or three years ago. So that pent up demand for human connection. Can you give us an example of a good use of AI and then on the other side, a bad use of AI?
1: Yeah. AI is not typically AI, first and foremost. Usually people throw that word around artificial intelligence and it's not really artificial intelligence, it's really machine learning. Because artificial intelligence is when it can learn on its own. And then once it learns something itself, then it can act on itself and do what it needs to do. Now we can, we have, as humans, have the ability to train AI to do a set number of rules and tasks. Now, in my opinion, it's better for us to give technology a lane to stay in. For instance, let's say that we're going to focus on a product around AI, around social media. There's a company called Lately that takes your content and let's say a blog post, and it will take all of that content and then create dozens and dozens of, of posts in lots of formats automatically for all of the different social posts that you can have and it'll write it all out and match up the images and schedule it for you and make it sound close to human and because it's all the real the writing that's already there. And so that's time saving of hours of or a lot of time at least of something that you know would help. But there's if you start to go into productivity where we spend hours scheduling with another person, there could be an is tools that will just schedule you with someone else. Google has that right now where you can that you can click on a hair salon or something and Google will just reach out to them and call them and actually arrange to schedule the time for you and then come back and have it done. And that saves you the time to do that. Now can one when, when when it goes to the dark side is when like in Facebook's case, they developed something similar where on messenger, like the typical messenger app, they developed a, an assistant or a voice and that, but it started to train itself on a new voice and a new language. And then that language in started to talk to itself and it created a discussion between itself and itself. And they ended up having to shut it down because it started to have a full on discussion in a language that no one understood and that was a misuse miscategorized miss not cool way of using ai and so their their intended use of productivity got out of hand so right. you can see how we have to stay in our lane and stay focused on the intended outcome of how it helps us me get to the salon and or get to my barber, or get to, you're talking to me and I don't even have hair, I don't even know why I chose (laughs) this example, but you get what I'm saying. Like It it helps me to get closer to the thing that I need to get done, not farther away from having a human interaction. So when we
0: used to have to phone companies to get us something done, we'd get put on hold, you'd hear the automated system, and it would say, your call is important to us, not that anybody here believes that or we're using it for training purposes, we're going to record it. And we get frustrated by this punch this, punch that, punch this, punch that. Personally, I get equally frustrated if I see a bot and it's on a website and it has to. I have to go through so many steps just to try and get to an individual person on chat, on live chat. It says live chat, but the first time, your first interactions with a bot and a bot will try and answer it for you. Yeah. Is there a danger that... Is there a danger that companies are going to damage their customer relationship by just repeating what we used to get on the phone to what we now get on a website or a social
1: media channel or something? Yeah. Yes, it is. There is a way of developing the technology so that it is a little bit smarter. And then there's lazy marketing. There's smart marketing and lazy marketing. So what you just described could be in certain instances, lazy marketing because somebody didn't, they didn't learn the tool or they didn't hire someone or they didn't put the, they didn't really build the right communication process in once they bought the tool that you're talking about, that chat tool and put it in so that they could qualify that person and get them the help they needed more quickly. And so they're stuck with a chat bot versus a human being there's a way also of using language in that chat bot that says first and foremost i am a bot like don't call it a spade don't try to not be a bot if you're a bot i am a bot i can help you only so far if you do want a human hit number two and let's get you to a human but for right now here's three things i can do can i help you because it can mitigate some very simple things that might save time. But if it can't, right. then it can also like get you scheduled without talking to a human, which is a great thing. But the lazy marketer or the lazy whoever is installing it will not look at those little idiosyncrasies, not look at the human on the other end and how they're reading it and how they're interacting with it, the experience of it. And they'll just put in the template they've been given by the company who also is doing a bad job of not looking at that experience and just installing it and saying, go be forth, have fun and hope they interact well. And it just doesn't work.
0: You're right. I came across a website just the other day and it was, you know, hi, this is Robbie, the robot or something. I truly can help. I truly can help you let, or let me please try and help you or something to that effect. Yeah. It's a little bit better. So so as, as companies are, Coming out of the other, hopefully, the other side of the pandemic, human interaction, as you've said, we're all craving it that much more as well. What are what do people need to be thinking about as they're integrating these two things together and going forward in terms of their marketing, their brand, and the customer relationships they're trying to build?
1: The campaigns and the kind of brands that we're trying to build are getting. Distanced in trust. Trust is the hardest thing to gain from our, from any customer now, and customers are more fickle than ever. That it's like a choose-your-own-adventure game at this point because they pop in over on this website, they get this email over here, and then they, it's very omni-channel. And and they are fickle enough that if they don't like something. Not only are they might yell from the rooftops about how much they don't like it but they'll also change in a heartbeat so you know the trust factor is just or the non-trust right now is at an all time of people not trusting not just brands but everything in general like we could go down a, a total rat hole on untrusted in as a word and so so that's the thing that brands and companies need to focus on is building building trust and and how you do that is trying to be as human as possible, not as robotic as possible. So there's three things that I talk about in the book, and I go a lot deeper in. I don't. Know, I don't know if we have time here, but the three categories are simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. And those. And so, if you look at simplicity, what like what brand comes to mind about simplicity when you think about simplicity? Amazon. Okay. Why would you say that? I'm curious.
0: Because if I, so I, I, funnily enough, I was talking with a friend just this morning about it. About six, nine months ago, I, on Amazon, I bought a bike stand to stand my bike up inside my apartment. Yeah. And now my partner has got a new bike and they don't want to leave it outside. So I thought, oh, I'll just order them a, a one of those bike stands. I got, I went onto Amazon, looked at my past orders, clicked it. It was $20 cheaper than I bought it. Click, bought, done the next day. There you and go. That's simple. Yeah. Just, and all the friction of buying that bike stand just disappeared yeah. immediately. So there you it, go. It, yeah. Just very simple.
1: So, so then the next one is empathy. Who embraces empathy that you can think of as a brand? That's a good question.
0: I'm trying to think of a brand I love that. I think has empathy. Can't, one doesn't come to mind. That's that's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, you could think of it in terms of like customer service. Oh, okay. So customer Apple. Yeah, you just go to an Apple store and. Yeah,
0: it, even at, I remember going to an Apple store during the pandemic, and you had to book online, which yeah. made a total sense. And I had to stand outside the store. I was greeted outside the store within thirty seconds of going getting in the queue. Somebody was there with a with a pat, iPad. Hi, have you got an appointment? And a person in front of me said, "No, I don't." I said, "Okay, the queue over there is for people without an appointment. If you could go over there, we'll definitely get you sorted." Yeah, um, you know, I, I realize you still want to see us straight away. Was and then I was there. Yep, yeah, check. We'll have you inside in the next
1: fifteen minutes. Right, isn't that neat? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it so. Uh- I love the answers when I ask these, and then, and then imperfection. Who embraces imperfection?
0: If I could remember that website that I was on, I hated the the bot. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. actually, I, I I would say, yeah, I remember that it was GoDaddy.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah.
0: Um, there you go. They got hacked, badly hacked about a year or so ago. Yeah, this is from this is my understanding. And now their levels of verification and security are ridiculously high. Oh, wow. I've logged in under my PIN and everything, and I have to go through three types of verification to even get to a human who's going to do something for me. Okay. Just
1: tear hair out. (laughs) So, So did not embrace imperfection. Right. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, they were imperfect. We're imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. So so you if you've seen Dove, the brand, I think they embrace imperfection uh, because they embrace all uh, types Ah, of skin
0: and body sizes as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of brands that embrace these things and you fall in love with them because of how they are simple and embrace simplicity and how they embrace imperfection, and how they embrace empathy. And these are human traits. Instead of focusing on sales and marketing and operations, they focus on the human side of life. And And so if we were to take these things and compound them, all three of them together, it's hard to find brands that do all three. And I'm not even going to ask you the question. But when you do that, then you can start to form you everything around that. Now that combined with the impact, the, in, the impact that you want in the world, Apple, they have a different impact they want in the world, which, which then Amazon wants a different, has a different impact. We all, and even you and myself, so Brian or Paul, we each want a different impact. And so my impact is I believe that being human is your competitive advantage. And by standing out as a human being right now, that you will have a bigger advantage by just doing that than anything else you do. That's my impact that I want in the world. So that right there, combined with simplicity, empathy, and imperfection, we can create an enormous amount of things right now.
0: The the listener, what you're saying then is the listener needs to be thinking about how do they embrace those three things? Yeah. How do they th- make things more more simple? How do they have empathy? So i think of the real estate investor who is buying an off-market property. It's uh, cash for a house. Somebody needs to move because they're going through some kind of life trauma, yeah. typically, and they need to get sold, divorce, death, whatever it happens to be. So the simpler you can make that process, be empathetic around their situation, and then i the imperfection thing i'd have to think about a bit more but yeah
1: okay there's a whole a whole way that you can actually score it that i've come up with in a algorithm around it and how you build your your build it out is there's ways that you can be human in each of those categories and the categories are uh, again, you just named just a very few I- ways or ideas, but if again, you were to take just empathy, empathy might look like just picking up the phone and calling someone, or empathy might look like sending somebody a video, a personalized video and a caring video around someone that that was just to them. Empathy comes out in so many different ways. So there's hundreds and hundreds of ways in each of those categories. But how we build that and how we appear so that we can have human moments or moments that matter, right? In, in if we were all to walk up on our whiteboards and actually draw out every single, every marketing ch- funnel, if you will, for the entire company, I guarantee if I pointed at all the human touch points, there'd be less than like five that, that are proactive that most of them are not in those categories of simplicity, empty, and imperfection.
0: So when you talk about a human marketing funnel, what you're talking about is looking at that that's marketing sales process and saying, how can we implement more proactive human interaction or reaction or not reaction, but interaction?
1: Yeah. And I'm talking about collapsing it, marketing and sales together and operate and, Operations, even other parts. The other thing is that we're we're collapsing, and I'm proposing that we that we take the funnel, we turn it upside down, because what we're forgetting is that relationships need to be built in a t- today in a different way, and now even more so because of what just happened the last few years. So, it the first thing that that hasn't changed is awareness. Awareness is always the first. Category. They don't know us and they want to get to know us. So that's the awareness piece. And that still is, that's a marketing activity. And then the next activity is connection. Connection is now they've, they know who we are and we need to bring that closer together and now get in into a human to human relationship. That's the, that's where marketing and sales becomes one one if you will and again i would say operations too so that we have process involved to make this all happen and then and then the last piece is intimacy just making connection is not where the magic happens the piece that actually creates a real deeper working relationship is intimacy and we're lacking that in most companies because they want to go straight for the sale in connection. If we can move it to intimacy, into me, then we're allowing for the onion, the whole onion to be peeled, which is the old adage of like peeling the onion so that we can get to know another human being. And then it's the soft core center where we're really understanding each other. That's the piece where we can deepen a relationship and get lifelong, not fickle customers and get things to where they really want to be a customer for life.
0: I can imagine a lot of business people hearing that word intimacy and like freaking out. Good. <laughs> yeah. Can you give an example of the kind of things that a
1: company would do in that stage of the funnel? Yeah. Get personal. I'm not talking talking about sharing your childhood secrets, but, but getting personal, talking about things that you know, and I'm, this is, this, remember you've made connection already. So intimacy is where you're now getting to know the other person. And this is, this takes time. We're breaking bread in the, in connection, in the second intimacy, we're, we're understanding who you really are, Paul, and who I am, Brian, and going farther than just a podcast interview and understanding like, where do you come from? And what do you like to eat? And, but even farther than that, maybe, and really creating a deeper relationship than what we would do here. And so that, that kind of stuff is what creates bonds. And, and where we are sometimes forgetting that and instead just going straight for, like I said, just like, let's do the podcast and then call it a day. I'll share it out. A uh, great, Good, got it. Go. Where is the relationship in all that? And more time. Nine out of ten times, it's we're on we're on a path of robotic systems, if you will, just to get it done, get it out. Let's go. go done. So intimacy is taking it a step farther than that and really connecting.
0: What else gets in the way of intimacy? Do you see around organizations?
1: Process and time so uh, they're not encouraged to do it because this is not our process the process is like you go in you sell you have a qu- you have, we have quarterly numbers you have to make and how do we get intimacy as a metric there's no metric for intimacy there's no metric for relationships there's no metric for a lot of this stuff you i could argue that there is but it's not like a close of a sale. You really need to turn it turn this around and start to look at it more like more like a human relationship, human being leading to a long this is a long tail. This is a long win, but a long win for forever.
0: Reminding me of a story I heard a number of years ago about a somebody running the one of the clothing departments at Nordstrom and they had What they did was, as a new collection came in, they used to take Polaroid snaps of the different outfits and then write personal notes on the back of the Polaroid snaps to to each customer that they had a relationship with and literally mailed it to them and said, This has just come in on a new collection. I could just see you in this. And it wasn't, but it never felt like a sales pitch. It really felt like they cared enough that. And they knew that person intimately enough that they could say, this was the color you mentioned the last time you were in. Or just phenomenal ability to retain information and build up a picture of that person, like a 360 degree inside and outside, as you were saying with The Onion. And they knew that person inside enough that they felt comfortable to be able to do that, but then also not have it appear like a sales pitch. Is there any organizations that you can... Kind of say, okay, here's an organization that really does start to follow that intimacy.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I think that Delta Airlines does a phenomenal job for being one of the hardest industries to be in. They do their best job at creating intimacy with people every day who are fighting to get on the next airline when they're trapped somewhere and if you tweet or you private message them or you get on their chat inside of their app you're going to get a response from a human being and you're going to get it like any on any of the channels or text message even any channel you're on is where they're going to chat with you and they're going to it's going to be with a human not with a bot it will immediately push you into a private conversation and It goes like beyond that, like sometimes I've just like actually had a good conversation with someone where they said, I hope that takes care of everything for you. And really, like you could tell there was empathy behind the person who was there. It wasn't like this cold conversation, like they were working to get you out of wherever you were and into the next thing. And I've just, that's just a rare thing on an airline to have like that level of, of care so consistently with how they do that. That's very magical for them. And
0: I think it was Delta that just sent a plane over to London and filled it with customers' luggage and flew it back across the Atlantic because there was all this stranded luggage and it was going to take forever to get back if you were just adding an odd bag or two onto each flight. And somebody obviously just signed off and said, get that plane over there, fill it up,
1: bring it back. There you go. There you go that kind of stuff just it really uh, impresses me there's a Kentucky fried chicken I was out of chicken in your area in in Europe i think everyone was out of chicken i think there was a chicken crisis this is years ago and and it was brilliant because kentucky fried chicken also couldn't order any chicken and so they they had this great idea to put an ad out and then also signs up at their stores it was like over 200 stores in the uk and they said in the ad and on the poster who would ever guess that a chicken restaurant would ever be out of chicken why would that ever happen and then they in they rearranged the letters from kfc to fck and they made fun of themselves as like they're totally screwed we are all screwed how do we get out of chicken and everyone just thought that it was so brilliant that people lined up for chicken and they made back their money like the day after when they actually had chicken people were like i love kfc like that's that is when you just take the that that humanness and you make fun of yourself and you're endearing and you create this connection with everyone and say hey that's what we did. That's what happened. And how much of that is has to come from the
0: senior leadership in an organization or the cult it has to be and, and for the people to feel empowered enough that they could do that. But I can imagine some companies both some companies would have that would have to go through 14 different departments and yeah. 17 17 lawyers
1: and <laughs> Yeah. It's a culture thing plus a it could be it depends on the company, right? So it could be top down, it could be. An idea that marketing had and the executive leadership could say, no, that's not us. Or it could just be the executive leadership that says, let's do it. And it's top down. Let's do it. So I don't know. It's going to be a different answer for every company. That one happened. You could go back to what we've learned from social media and that social has taught us that you can't sit around saying like, should we do this or shouldn't we? Because social happens right now. And so when things happen, you have to be ready to go. And if you're not ready, you've missed the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think there was that famous one, wasn't it, with the Super Bowl a few years ago with the power cut. The I think Oreo, it was Orioles Oreo. had yeah. an ad or Twitter post or something up within thirty, like less than
1: 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah, they're the, the kickoff to the whole thing, yeah, to everybody who's learning about that, yeah.
0: What should people – so if people are going to embrace what you're saying, what are the first things that you – Recommend a business owner or a company or a team of people first. Put in place or what are the first steps that they need to take to start thinking more human?
1: We covered it a little bit. It's really walking over to the whiteboard and laying out what you already have in terms of your journey, and then figuring out where your your human touch points could be. Even just doing that would be a huge win. It's it really starts with even just. CX with customer experience. And if you did that, you'd probably see a a lot of improvement around your brand and the way that it interacts with your customer and your potential customer. And then from there, you can start to then create your HTH campaign out and you can see it happen throughout marketing and integrate it throughout sales. That's a great second place to go. And then, and then third, I would say is. Then look at it holistically as a company and say, "Okay, what's the impact we want to make, and and how are we being our most human selves?" So it's a three-tiered approach.
0: Do you have? Are there any organizations, or do you ever see organizations putting in place an H two H director or VP?
1: Yeah, they say that it's more like the HR head of HR is what they. But it's but unfortunately, HR doesn't cover a lot of the things that we just talked about. So, no, I don't really see it a lot. I've seen chief. What do you want to call it? Like empathy officers. And that's the closest I've seen. There's another one that I've seen, too, and I can't remember, but it's not in totality of everything that we've talked about. It's more marketing oriented. So which is a start. It's a start in the right direction.
0: I can remember, Mike, I'm on board with you where marketing and sales, and you say operations, but marketing and sales should be together. There's so many organizations that still have it so siloed or fiefdoms. It's scary. and uh, Never the twain shall talk to each other almost. It's sales blames marketing, blames sales, and who loses is the customer, I guess. That's what you're trying to get away from.
1: It's an age-old problem, and some companies have figured it out. Some have done a good job. Some have, like you just said, not, not done a good job at all. And at the end of the day, the customer doesn't care. They just want to know like, that they've gotten what they needed. And so that's the journey that you need to paint for them is the one that they care about, not the one that you care about.
0: I noticed. I had to ask. I noticed on your website you've got human coin. You,
1: meant, you mentioned crypto earlier, but tell us a little bit about what human coin is. It's a creator coin. The coins are on the platform of a company called Rally, and Rally is backed by a lot of the different VCs like Andreessen Horowitz and who's a, one of the biggest VCs in the world, and also I think I know that two of the people that started. One of the other big coins that are that are out there are investors in this as well, and the idea behind it is that creators can create communities around around crypto, and that they can use crypto for for rewards and different ways to make sure that I like to say a rising tide lifts all. Or I don't. It's not mine, but I use it. A uh, rising tide lifts all boats. So in the old days, you would market to somebody and then they would sign up for hopefully your newsletter. And then you would send them your newsletter. Now you would, you can sign up for my newsletter and you'll get $5 in human coin. And you now own that coin and you're now an part owner, unless you cash it out, you're a part owner in that, in my newsletter. And in The more that you earn human coin, and there's ways to do that, the more you are integrated into the community and earning other things that I put out as well, or things that you might want to contribute into the community. And so it's building not just a one-way channel of me feeding you and sending you things. It's a community of ownership that has never been there before. And and so it's not just it's not just a Money, it's a way for us all to own a little piece of something and actually build community around it. Would you, for
0: example, you, so you ran an event? Would you say, okay, events, two hundred US dollars or one hundred and fifty US dollars and fifty human?
1: Points? I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. I ran a three-day workshop on planning your best business year, and and I did exactly that. and they owned a piece of the workshop by uh, owning human coin through the workshop so now they were uh, able to there was a kind of a new thing that i tried and it did fairly okay so yeah you can do that as well it's new so i'm testing and trying different ways to build the community around the coin and it's been neat so far and is that your personal
0: creator coin it's only you own. Oh, you're the creator of the human coin. Or so if right. I wanted to do one, I could do it. I could do it under a Paul coin or whatever.
1: Yeah. So it sits on the Rally Network. My coin that they gave me. No one else can now have a human. The human coin. I own that. However, like I said, a lot. I have over 400, I think, or 500, close somewhere around there. Back what they call backers. Or uh, community members that own a good large piece of the coin as well, and so uh, we have that many people that are a part of the human coin, and that that value is shared, and so that is the that is uh, my, my, that's the human coin that sits on the rally network. Now there's I don't know how many coins there are now. When I first started, I was like number forty something. I think now. There are, there might be somewhere between 500 and a thousand. And when they're done, I know they want to have 400,000. So anyone will eventually be able to do something like this. And what's the difference between that and an NFT,
0: where you have NFTs and something, some quite often you, people have things attached to an NFT. So I buy an NFT from Gary Vaynerchuk and I can yeah. go to his conference or whatever. Well, I yeah. get a coaching call one, once a year with him for the next 10 years or something.
1: Yeah. Did you purchase one? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I have, I did not either. I do have a friend that did. And I've done an NFT. I've done, yeah, I've done, I was trying to think if I did two. I did an NFT. My daughter's an illustrator and an art, artist takes after her mom. And she just got her degree from University of Washington. And so we put it together a collaborative on on a uh, a hu- humanity piece, an illustrated humanity piece, but I attached a utility to it and did a workshop that was attached to the illustrated piece. And then I allowed, I believe it was 20 people to buy it. And once 20, 20 people bought it, one out of one, one out of two, one out of three, and up to twenty. And once they hit twenty, it was that was it. So it was a limited amount. Right. And I think I can't remember how much it sold for, but you set that price, and I think might have been fifty bucks a piece. And they got the utility, they got the art piece, and whatever number they bought, they got. It's kind of like comic books, right? So they got the three of twenty is what you own plus the workshop. So that's how. It, People are using NFTs as utility, so you get the artwork and and then you get special access. Some of my friends are doing like the CEX event. Joe Polizzi, who owns the Tilt coin, he's doing unlimited. He sold the unlimited ticket to his conference. So you buy the NFT, which was for it was whatever Ethereum went for at the time, which was like three or four thousand dollars for his for a ticket. But you got unlimited access forever to his conference and in, in the NFT. So that's how people are using NFTs. Yeah. And I can go into and NFTs are like a crazy maze of stuff. And I don't pretend to be like an NFT expert. There's other people out there that can tell you like the different platforms and how it all works and that gets into a whole different thing. Yeah.
0: But what I'm sensing is the human coin is really very much more about building a community, building engagement, building something bigger together. Yes. Yeah. As long as... NFT is a little bit more transactional. You get a nice piece of art or something and a limited edition piece.
1: Actually, NFT is all about building community as well. You own a piece of art, but hopefully it's wrapped into utility of community, utility of being together. So the two are similar in that they're trying to achieve some kind of utility, some type of community. Okay, Yeah. interesting.
0: A couple of questions I like to ask guests before we wrap up and find out, that you can tell people where they can find out more about you. Do you have a favorite personal brand and who is it and why?
1: I really love Malcolm Gladwell. I love the way he thinks and how he writes. And I just, I adore his his approach and and everything about his the topics that he covers as well. So yeah. yeah. His
0: researching. Yeah. I don't know how much time he must spend researching.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Pretty detailed. And do you have a favorite business book or podcast?
1: I know that this kind of falls into the not business podcast, but it is a business podcast, which is called Smartless. And it's ironic. The reason I'm saying it's not, It's a, it's Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. And they interview just from all walks of life with, that are names, but their interview style is very much like, how did you do that? Or how did you get there? And what did it take? What were the steps? And what was the thing that, that was the, to borrow Malcolm Gladwell, the tipping point or the, and How did your business convert and how did that? So you're listening to these three guys that aren't really business owners break down in a comedic, very comedic because of these, who they are and fun. And I just could listen to them all day long. When we go on road trips, I put it on and I just like, and it's the one we don't argue about that everyone likes. So I love that one. Smartless is my favorite. Okay, cool. And what
0: about a new tool or resource that you're enjoying using at the moment?
1: Yeah, so new tool or resource. So I I don't have a new because I always get, I have so many tools and my wife is a little frustrated with me because I get so many tools. And so I'm actually backing off of tools and I can go on and on about of tools because of that. And so I have a problem. I have a really big problem. And so I just went through my American Express and started calling and saying, I got to back off of this. I got to back off of that. But I am a, let's see, I am really into Asana, I guess, would be my would be my my tool that, of choice and Kanban boards. I just can't get anything done without that. Yeah, it's my everyday, and it gets my task done.
0: Yeah, it's a great tool. Yeah, very encompassing. And do you have a favorite quote?
1: Yeah, this is a quote from my my mentor that he used back when I was first starting out of college. I've loved it since then. Ninety percent done is hundred percent incomplete. And what do you take from that? What's your how do you? We all get to the point where we we start something. And we get it so close. And then we're like, God, is anyone really going to read this? Or is anyone really interested in this? Or we go shiny penny or squirrel and we just don't complete it. And I think that people need to hear hear you and they what you have to say is powerful and you're so close. And if you're hearing me and listening to this right now, that You probably have a 90% done thing sitting on your desk right now, waiting and desperately like wanting you to complete it. And it really won't take much, just complete it, finish it and push the thing out into the world and get it heard because it's right there for you.
0: Great advice. Or uh, Seth Godin would say, ship it. Yes. Get it finished and ship it. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. How can people get hold of you?
1: How can they find out more about you? Easy. Go to briancramer.com. Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And uh, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get your free $5 in human USD and human coin. And or you can email me if you want, human to human. So, Brian with a Y at briancramer.com. Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. Wonderful. And
0: I'm, I made a note of something you said earlier and walking away with this or taking away from this is moments that matter. And can you look at your process or an interaction or something? And can you walk away from that saying, was that a moment that mattered?
1: So uh, that,
0: that for me is, that's really stuck for me today.
1: So that's, uh, I really appreciate that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's so important. Yeah. If you just even have one moment that mattered, that's all. That's all that we will remember that moment and carry it with us. Exactly.
0: Brian, thank you for joining us today and have yourself
1: a fantastic day. Thank you so much, Paul.